Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome to the Pool Scale Outdoors podcast. I am Dale Lukenbill, your host. Thanks for joining me. You're getting a fresh, fresh hot one this morning. I am going to record this, slap it together, and put it out on the interwebs uh, right away. As I record this on Tuesday morning, what the freaking date is it anyways these oh we're december 1st look at us go brand new month brand new me living my best life um (laughs) yeah so this is your weekend recap and rant uh first uh how should i do this well let's do a quick little commercial a little self-promotion commercial so coming up this weekend as a matter of fact friday saturday and sunday we have the, uh, what do we call it, the SmackDown Outdoors Podcast Virtual Ice Fishing Show. Um, teaming up with Doug Glenarvine from the SmackDown Outdoors Podcast and Patrick Patches Olson from the Lone Angler and, of course, myself, Full Scale Outdoors. The three of us have been working on this for uh, quite a while now. And uh, we're giving you the ice show when you can't have the ice show. How about that? And uh, at this time, I just want to thank our sponsors, because uh, we couldn't really do it without them. That's Glacier, Clam, and Thorn Brothers. Thank you very much. Uh, we truly do appreciate it. And all the vendors that have stepped up and were interested and filled all of our spots. So we have three days packed full of uh, all the vendors you would have probably gone and seen at the ice show physically. We're going to have them virtually, so you get to check out all the new latest and greatest uh, gadgets and tools. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, it sucks. We can't do the ice show. I know it's a big thing. And this year, depending on how far north you want to drive, you could find ice. So uh, it's possible that uh, attendance would have been down anyways. So we shall see. Anyways, check it out. Uh, set your alarms. If you go on SmackDown Outdoors podcast Facebook page, and I shared it on my page too, um, and I'm sure Patrick did as well, but we have the schedule there. So if there's a particular, I mean, it'd be great if 
people sat down and watched it in its entirety, but that's not going to happen. That would be ridiculous. Four-hour blocks at a time just sitting down, listening to us ramble on. Um, but so if there's certain uh, vendors that you would like to see, like maybe it's Vexlar, maybe you want to, you know, hey, what's the new 30 all about? Uh, well, we're going to get into that. You know, maybe uh, you want to know what's the latest and greatest Eskimo has for houses. Find them on the schedule. Know what time they're going to be on. And then you can join us then. Uh, tune in and uh, be a part of the show. So, yeah. And hopefully there's enough time in each segment to take some of your questions. So, again, kind of like being at the show. If you have questions for the vendors, send them our way. We'll hopefully be able to pass them along. And uh, we're going to recreate that as much as possible outside of standing on our feet for eight hours a day and destroying our backs. <laughs> Should be a lot of fun. So that is this weekend coming up, the 4th, 5th, and 6th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So uh, check it out. Tune into that. Obviously, if you haven't done so already, follow SmackDown Outdoors uh, podcast. Follow the Lone Angler podcast. And you had better be following Full Scale Outdoors. Or what the hell, dude. Uh, so anyways, let's get into our weekend recap and rant. So this weekend was somewhat premeditated because we were looking at the forecast. And the weekend before last, when I was up in Fergus hunting with pit properties, I was seeing some people finding ice. A little sketchy, you know, two inches at times. But I trust people that know what they're doing. And as long as you're taking the precautions, I will not judge anybody for going out on two inches because I myself have gone out on two inches. And if it's good, clear ice and you're spudding your way and you're being careful and you have your spikes and hopefully a float suit and a buddy and ropes, you take all the precautions and you've been doing it for years and you know what you're doing. I have faith in people's skill level, not everybody's skill levels. I mean, obviously there's varying levels of that, but... Those that know, know. <laughs> and I like to put myself in that category. been doing this for quite a long time, 47 years old. Um, so when I go out, I am very thoughtful, methodical, careful, and I don't just willy-nilly go out any night, any ice. But when I deem that where I'm fishing is safe, I am confident that it is safe. And so when people come after me, oh, it doesn't look like safe ice. Well, you weren't there, I was, and I'm relying on my skill level. So, you know, it's kind of like any other sport, right? Whether it be skydiving or those guys that ride their mountain bikes on those super razor-thin mountain peak ridges like that give me insane anxiety watching it. Like you could say, Woody, that's not safe. You can't, yeah, well, it probably isn't safe for 99.9% .9 of the population. But that guy has been riding mountain bikes his entire life. He's an expert and he's confident in doing it. So I don't call him an idiot for doing that. I assume he knows what he's doing. We could use a little bit of that in the outdoor realm. So anyways, well, how's that for a tangent? That's pretty good. <laughs> if I do say so myself. Anyways, so there people were finding ice. And looking at the forecast, I was like, we can find ice next weekend. The geese have been pissing me off. I said, let's just plan on finding ice. So... Fast forward to, can you fast forward to rewinding? Because I'm fast forwarding to Saturday. And um, so we do that. We leave pretty early, around 5.30 in the morning. And I was hoping to find ice 
in and around kind of like Alexandria area, uh, but that wasn't going to happen. Um, just wasn't wasn't enough. I have some access out there to a lake that doesn't have public access, or at least easily public access. The one side of it has a WMA on it, but it's like it's deep in the WMA. So if you're accessing from that, you got a hella hike to get into it. So anyways, um, it's not really a private lake, but for all intents and purposes, it's kind of like a private lake. Doesn't sound like you get fish much. And rumor has it there's uh, giants in there. So that was what we were hoping. We aimed for that. We aimed to get there right at um, good light, right at sunup pretty much. And uh, so we get out there and yeah, there's hardly skim ice on the edges. So that's not going to happen. So we're like, well, <laughs> point the truck north and let's see what we can find. So we start driving north, kind of get into uh, Bemidji area, or not Bemidji, Brainerd area. And that was kind of like the snow line. Not that there was a ton of snow, but you could definitely tell like where the snow was. We started seeing a lot more like ice, skim ice. Like a lot of things weren't iced all the way over, but we're seeing substantially more ice there than we had, you know, just even 20 miles south where there was no snow. It's like as soon as you crossed where you started seeing more snow, you started seeing ice, which shouldn't be a shocker, but it was just something we had noticed. So I put into a call, speaking of Patrick Patches Olson of the Lone Angler. I'm like, all right, well, let's give full Patrick a call if he's awake and uh, see if he has any intel up there, if anybody's been fishing on some smaller waters. Uh, we know people were headed to red, and I just have really no interest in going there So and fighting off the crowds and that whole shit show, just not my style. But that, if red was frozen or parts of it were frozen, there's got to be some smaller lakes in the woods somewhere that we could play on. And so he wasn't sure. He had heard from a friend that they had found some ice. So he gave us his number, and uh, we reached out to him, and he pointed us in a direction, and as luck would have it, was going to be able to meet us out there later in the day. So we went out there and uh, went slow, got our stuff all loaded up, and started spudding our way out. And we could, as soon as we got to Lake, we could see somebody else had already been out there. You could see their spud marks, their boot prints, their uh, sled tracks in the snow. And so we felt pretty confident that, you know, it was going to be fine. We still kind of spudded our way because you never know. Just because one person's an idiot doesn't mean two people have to be an idiot. Uh, also didn't see any big holes in the ice where they fell in. Uh, you get out on the ice, you could see where somebody was skating around. Those are pretty cool looking tracks in the snow because there wasn't much snow. Maybe like, I don't know, an inch or less. And it was going to be warm. I think it almost got up to 50 that day. So all that melted. Um, but anyways, we get out there and we drill into this what looks like a pretty obvious place to, to, to start a little tiny basin uh, with, you know, shallow weeds nearby. And uh, we drilled up shallow, didn't find anything shallow. The weeds that were in that lake were dead, so they likely weren't going to hold any fish. So we kind of backed back off deeper. We were marking a ton of fish um, on the bottom, and they weren't, I mean, we were in like anywhere from 21, 27, 28 feet of water. And they just, I don't know, we'd get a bite and they were a little dinky perch. And the, my f f first official fish of the 
2020-2021 ice fishing season was about a three-inch perch. <laughs> but I caught a tight lining, and that's so. This is also my first day of tight lining. I just picked up a couple rods from um, Kishler's Customs. He made me up a couple tight line rods, and I bought some schoolie reels. And so I was like, I'm just gonna this. I'm gonna call it preseason before I get into the Minnesota Made tournament season in January. I'm like, I'm gonna kind of work on take this free time if you will to learn a new technique so i was playing around with tight lining so what was cool is i was able to catch that tiny ass fish on that tight lining technique which was pretty fun gave me a little boost of confidence there and um so we're like well let's strike out in the lake so we um oh and austin so right now it's joel austin and myself and austin's battery on his vexlar died and he had a lithium, so he's like, I gotta run into town and get a replacement battery. So he ran into town. Joel and I went on a search and destroy mission and started walking way down the lake in this other spot on the Navionics map. There's a couple little humps that looked promising. So we're out there trying to find these humps. First hump, hmm, yeah, it doesn't exist. I'm standing right on it, it's supposed to be ten feet of water and, and he's marking I don't even remember what it was, like twenty one feet or something <laughs> like that's great well let's go over here see if this other one is is here walk over there get to where it's supposed to be like shallow 10 feet nope that one's not there either ridiculous you know i don't understand in this map making in this cartography like i understand if you miss a piece of structure like somebody's out there fishing and they're scanning like oh there's a hump that isn't on the map like that would make sense like the, the the cartographer just missed something when they were doing it but to put something like a hump like a large hump underwater island is what people used to call them or sunken island in the back in the day it, how you just oh this is like a great place for a for a reef let's just put one right here if it's just not there it's not there i mean i don't know how an entire hump would just disappear over time okay you know maybe they made that map 30 years ago i just who's down there moving an entire lump of earth under the water like that doesn't i don't i don't know there's got to be some logical explanation for it but i don't know what that would be anyways that structure didn't exist so not surprising there weren't any fish there either so we, we had two choices, either to keep going to the south on this lake to a very large basin, which God knows those fish could be anywhere, or go back to the smaller one where we started. So we decided to kind of do that. Um, we kind of worked our way. We checked some spots, uh, shallow, little like a saddle area. That didn't really pan out. We get back pretty much to where we had started, and we start marking some fish that were a little more suspended so likely not those perch and then we started catching crappies <laughs> so we made this huge circle on this lake to come right back to where we we're starting and about the time we get back austin's coming back on the lake and he's like you guys are in the same spot that you were i'm like yeah so i gave him the rundown that i just gave you all and uh, so yeah we start drilling that basin a little bit more and we're starting to find more and more fish and then out comes our new contact Mr. Andrew Kraft from Crafty Chronicles on YouTube. Uh, and if you listen to Patrick's podcast, Lone Angle, you have, you have heard Crafty on there uh, multiple times and uh, been watching his stuff. He, he's got good content, and I know he's always catching just giant crappies and, and uh, 
bluegills. So I was pretty stoked that we were in a good body of water. And what we had been catching, you know, wasn't great. We started catching a bunch, um, like, I don't know, 10 inches, 10 inch crappies. And we did pick up a couple bluegills, nothing, nothing crazy, but we hit a flurry of activity. I don't remember what time it was, but it was a uh, afternoon sometime where we were like all hooked up. Like everybody's rod was bent over. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun. And then we started getting some little better ones and unbeknownst to me, crafty was, he had his GoPros fired up. I had, I did not know he was doing that, but Joel catches a good one and he's holding it up and crafty's over there. And all of a sudden they come, I'm like, Oh, I got a good one. And I'm fighting this fish. And at first I thought it was a bass. Well, I knew it wasn't the same fish we had been catching because it just had some weight and it made a couple little runs so I'm fighting this thing up, and as it's coming up, you know, and the ice is relatively thin and clear, you can kind of see under it, and as this fish comes up, I just see this big mouth on it, and I was like, oh, it's a little, like, two-pound bass. That makes sense. That's, And I was just about to say it, I'm like, hey, it's just a little bass, not a bass. <laughs> this big crappie mouth comes up. I was like, oh, my goodness. So they come running over and hold it up, and it was, of course, nobody out there had a tape, but if I had to guess... I would say it was 14. If it wasn't 14, it was 13 and 7 eighths. I mean, it was close. It was That was a chunky fish. And uh, you can see it. I put it up on my social media. And then if you do go to YouTube and subscribe, which I urge you to do, to Crafty's Chronicles, that's with a K, both calf, uh, the K in Crafty and a K in Chronicles, uh, if you're searching it on YouTube, uh, he has a, little, a pretty cool little video that he put together pretty fast, actually. He had that thing up. Like on our way home, pretty much. Uh, so that's he's kind of a demon on that uh, the old video editor. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so shared it on social media. Got got a fair amount of traction. Um, Vexlar scooped it up and they posted on their social media. So that was pretty cool. Um, that was fun fish. It was, or it was fun day. That was a good fish. Actually, the fish that I took the picture of that Crafty took the picture of, I should say. Um, and I posted that wasn't the big, big one. That was, it was a good one. That one was probably all of 13. Um, but the big one, that wasn't even the one in the, in the main picture that got all the, all the press, if you will. So that was a lot of fun. Definitely want to get back up there and do some more collabs with crafty. That was be a lot of fun. And then he sent, so for the next day, we're like, well, let's go somewhere else. He's like, well, there's another little lake. It's kind of a walk to get into. Uh, but I know that there's giant gills in there. Um, I'm a fan of giant bluegills. So we decided to do that the next day. Quite a bit cooler the next day. Windy, totally different conditions. It was very cold, very windy. Uh, you know, when you wake up and that big old Perkins flag is sticking straight out, you got a day in front of you. So we hook everything up in the sled and we pull it down into this lake. And we first get to the lake. It's not looking that promising. I was like, I don't know about this ice. There's like a big beaver dam there. A couple punches, and that spud goes right through. But this beaver dam, like, runs all the way along the edge of this lake. And if you kind of see this, it's kind of like a chain of little potholes. So they got the one all dammed up. So I walk along that dam and try to find, you know, a better place to access it. There's a spot where the water is flowing through the dam really well, and that's actually keeping it open, uh, the water. Not not far, but like just like right where you're at. But meaning that the ice in that area is really not going to be good. 
So we keep going, keep going with the spud, and I find a, I find a place that's, I'm pretty sure we can get out there. So I start walking out, and I'm spudding my way, and uh, I'm spudding full holes so I can take a chunk out and look at the ice. And it was three, three strong inches, if not four. And as I was hitting the ice, it wasn't cracking. I didn't ever hurt any cracks under my weight. Like I'm like, ah, we can we can get on the lake right here. So we go back, get the stuff, drag it out there, uh, drill a bunch of holes. There's um, two deep basins, kind of a little. Um, I don't know what you want it. You can call it. It's more of a channel, um, but it's shallower in that channel. A saddle, if you will. Um, seems to be the obvious spot to check. So we drilled that out. Uh, started marking fish right away, could not get them to bite. I think they were real, just a ton of dinky dinky perch, and we did start catching some of those little perch. And man, we just went to town and drilled out this lake, and uh, never really did find bluegills. We caught a couple bluegills, nothing of any crazy size. Uh, we could definitely see that there probably is some big ones in there, and uh, we just chalked it up to a tough day of fishing. Uh, they just weren't really biting they're very very neutral to negative uh it was really hard hard to get things to chase and uh, so that was nothing too exciting happened there other than we gained information on that lake so at another time we can run out there and of course when the ice gets thicker we can actually get a wheeler back in there that'll make life a shit ton easier uh yeah I'll be at the four-hour drive north to get to it. <laughs> Makes it easier to get there. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Anyways, we had uh, a ton of fun. Uh, made new friends. Made new contacts. Uh, it was a good time. Wish we would have had more time to actually like go and crash Patrick's studio. Uh, but we had to, get, had to get the boys home at a reasonable hour Sunday night. So hit the road running. So that's the that was the weekend. Um, man, it was a ton of fun. And I'm glad that he was filming it because I get to go back and, and watch it. But, you know, had I known, he should have told me he was filming. If I had known he was filming, I had that big one in the hole, I would have hammed it up a little bit. You know, I could have waited for him to get there. I could have done this big reveal out of the hole. It would have been fun. Also, next time, eh, let's make sure we bring some sort of measuring device. That's the thing. We had tape, back, a bump board back at the truck. We even had a digital scale back at the truck. We didn't bring any of those out with us. <laughs> so, whatever. It is what it is. So that's your that is your weekend recap. I see a bunch of people went up to red and caught some walleyes. Shocker. Um, but yeah. Looking at the forecast, it's like ten degrees right now at my house and it's still um dead calm. So we are we're making ice. Even yesterday it was whatever in the teens and all the lakes that I drove by on my way to work had had skim ice on them, so I fully expect to see most of those locked up this morning when I drive in. Uh, and it uh, looks like we'll be making ice at least in the for most of the day. I mean, it, like today it gets to 37, but it's only going to be above freezing for maybe four hours, and it's just going to turn around and go right back the other way. So 20 of the 24 hours a day are uh, making ice. So that's good. I'm, I'm confident by this weekend. You guys should be able to find some ice not too terribly far north, probably not in the cities or anything like that, but, you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, I bet you guys can find some uh, pretty safe ice. I know a lot of you are going to head straight back up to red, um, and that's fine. 
but make sure your phone is charged so you can tune into us on the ice for the virtual. While you're actually ice fishing, you can, for the first time in the history of humankind, you can ice fish while attending the ice show. How about that? That'd be pretty cool. So for my rant, um, you know, I want to say something real quick before I get into the ramp. I just I loaded up Facebook here. Not the news you want to see. Pretty much the top story. Uh, Rainy Days Guide Service shared it. Um, we lost another fishing icon this year. Mr. Ron Lindner has passed away. Um, man, you want to talk about a legend and a legacy, the whole Linder line. It's just, uh, this one's catching me off guard a little bit. Um, man, growing up in the 80s and, and watching the first fishing shows with Linders and, um, and fishermen. And, man, I mean, no one no one lives forever. And he sure, uh, he sure left this world a better place as far as fishing knowledge goes. I know he had a love for God. Um, I won't get too deep into that, but um, yeah, he will definitely be missed. So my thoughts are with the Linder family. Um, yeah, what else is there to say? That was the fishing community took a hit today for sure. So rest in peace. Tight lines up there, Ron. Uh, fine. Catch got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let me get into the rant here. Speaking of social medias. Uh, so this was brought up a couple times, and then I was listening to uh, Doug on Patrick's podcast the other day, yesterday as a matter of fact, and it kind of got my brain my brain rolling. Uh, you see this a lot on all these different pages. Back in the day, it used to be the forums, you know, where somebody asks a question, and then they just get ripped apart for it, you know, whether they're new or they're naive or they're, you know, whatever. And so they were kind of, they were kind of calling people out on that. And like, Hey, let's not do that. You know, we're driving people away from the sport. You know, they're new. They don't know, like, you know, and, uh, and they're right. I agree with them on that, but I started kind of doing a deep dive on it. And that kind of, reaction you get from people where they go after people there's there's like a a certain it seems like an a certain experience level where that happens and it's kind of like the the natural progression of a sportsman and it happens not just with fishermen it happens with hunters too you see it a lot in the duck hunting community for sure because like the fishing world, there are multiple different kinds of species of ducks and, you know, different kinds of species of fish. So you'll, they're similar because in these, these posts and these pages, you'll see what kind of fish is this or what kind of duck is this. And then those people just get ripped up and down pillar to post. I see it a lot in the foraging community too with hunting, with uh, mushroom hunting. You know, hey, what kind of mushroom is this? And people just rip people a new one. And as I've watched some people get into it, over the years, and I watched their experience level grow, they kind of hit this level of expertise where they start calling out those people. And so that's what kind of made my mind go, hmm. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay to do this. I am, I'm, I'm definitely not saying that. We, we should not be berating people. You know, we need to have some patience. Not, we're not all 
on the same journey at the same time, you know, in the same place. We're all on a different skill set wherever we're at. No matter how much you think you know, somebody knows more than you. So don't get too big for your britches. But what I started to notice is that I think the natural progression, you know, first you get into it, you're you're all fired up, you just you're hog wild, you just love it, you're fully obsessed with whatever the pastime is, whether it's fishing, hunting, foraging, whatever it is. You're gaining as much knowledge as you possibly can, you're doing it as much as you possibly can. And a lot of times you just want to talk about it. Like when you can't do it, you want it, you're thinking about it and you want to talk about it with somebody. And I think a lot of these questions that people rip on younger people, or I shouldn't say younger people, because you can be 50 years old if you just took up the sport, you're probably going to have these same traits as you go along on your road of experience. So uh, what I mean by that is, I think we can all remember there. We were just, there was a time we we're so excited about it, you just anything to talk about it. So you use these icebreakers. And so someone's on their phone and they're on their computer and they go to one of these pages and they'll ask a, what to an experienced person will be a very easy question, especially an easy question to find the answers to, you know, instead of going to Facebook or whatever forum they used to be on, they could have gone to Google and probably found that answer pretty easily, but they don't. And the reason they don't is because it's not so much of getting the answer as it is starting a conversation. They just want to talk about it. They're so excited about this hobby. They just want to talk about it. So they use this as an icebreaker. They use this as a way of getting the conversation going. And then that's when the next phase of person jumps down their throat. And there's probably a phases in between these two but for the sake of this conversation I'll keep it kind of like in three chunks so you got your beginner you're like moderate and then your expert if you will so the moderate one he's now gained some he she has gained quite a bit of knowledge probably have a few years under their belt they're pretty confident in their ability and their identification abilities they know most things and they're feeling a sense of mastery about it, feeling pretty good about themselves. They feel they've done all the work, and now they see this young person come in, or I should say this inexperienced person come in and ask a question. And for some reason, it's like a mix of I need to show how much I know, and because I've been doing this for years, I've paid my dues, I've put in the work, why aren't you paying your dues and putting in your work? And some reason, those moderates forget that they were a novice at one point in time and probably were asking these same questions. <laughs> and they don't remember it. Or maybe they didn't have the opportunity to get on. Maybe Facebook wasn't a time uh, thing when they started. I don't know. But they, they forget that they once didn't know anything either. And so instead of realizing they have a teaching moment here, their ego gets kind of takes a spotlight and I think ultimately it's a way to kind of peacock a little bit and say look how much I know you idiot that's a whatever that's a war mouth <laughs> that's a black duck hybrid or that's not a morel it's a stinkhorn you know whatever the case may be uh again I am not saying it's okay it's definitely not okay because 
you should have some humility at that time to know that you don't know everything. And while you've gained some level of expertise, realize that there's people that don't have that expertise that are coming up. And so then you get into like the expert stage where it's those people, they've worked through that. They probably had their stage where they were poking people in the chest and they were doing their thing and their ego was in control. But they've done it so long. They've experienced enough success. They've watched other people progress through the experience level that they have a much more chill attitude and they just kind of sit back and watch it. And instead of blasting somebody on the internet, maybe they'll send them a message. Or they'll just be the voice of reason within that thread and be like, hey, guys, tone it down. He's just asking a question. It's a this, that, and the other thing. If you want to figure some of these stuff out on your own, this is a really good resource. Post a link to a website. Post a link to maybe a good field guide. You know, they just have a much calmer sense because they realize they don't have anything to prove to anybody at that time. You know, they've, they've it's just kind of a natural maturity progression within that recreation space if that makes sense i i hope i made sense with my ramblings here but so when we are on these pages let's all exercise a little bit of patience uh with the less informed um because here's the thing as everybody else is reading these if you're in that middle stage where you're trying to show off that you know stuff nobody else is impressed all, all the masses that are in the same level, skill level as you are, they're not impressed. And they might jump into and be like, yeah, what an idiot, what a dumb question, blah, blah, this, that, and the other thing. But nobody's impressed, especially the old-timers that have seen and done it. They're really not impressed, and they see that you're looking like an asshole. And if you're pushing people away from the sport because how dare they ask a simple question. I mean, if that's the worst sin you have against you in that day is that somebody irritated you by asking what you think is a elementary question, I think your life is pretty good. So maybe don't be an asshole. Um, yeah, you know, instead of blasting the person on in the in the public forum on the main page, send them a, send them a private message. Like, hey, that's a blah, 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 or here's a good field guide, you know. Take it from the guys that have put in the work. Follow their lead. So, And for those people that might be in that last category, also have some patience with the people in the middle category, knowing that we've all been there as well. And again, maybe don't blast them on the main page. Like, hey, dude, don't be an asshole. That doesn't need to be said for everybody to read. Send them a message. Be like, hey, hey buddy, um, I don't really care the way you handled that thing. Like, we don't need to be chasing people away from the sport. We need to be bringing people into the sport. Um, I just feel like you could have handled this a little bit better. You know, maybe the next time take a softer tone and you guys can hash it out. You guys want to get into a, a pissing match behind closed doors? Fair enough. Um, that happens. Not everybody's going to get along. But I think, it would go, uh, I think it would go a long way and serve all of us as a whole a little bit better if just in general we can have cooler heads to prevail on the social medias. Um, we all know they're a dumpster fire. And I think a lot of it's, you know, I'm not going to go on too big of a tangent here, but I think if we want to get into politics and stuff like that, I think that same progression can kind of happen. People get really fired up about politics as they young voters or whatever. They start taking notice. They get excited. They ask stupid questions or they say things that are just emotional because they just want to talk about it. 
they get older, they've paid taxes for quite a few years, they feel like they now have a platform to stand on, they're the most loud, they're the most boisterous, they're the most finger-pointing, chest-poking people, and then you got you start getting to the more experienced ones that take a little bit more nuanced approach, and they've seen a few things, they've seen their own political stances moderate over the years, and so when they look back at somebody who thinks they're a know-it-all, that person knows they're not a know-it-all because they once were a know-it-all and was proven wrong at some point in their life. So that's social media. Uh, if we can kind of keep that in our back of our mind when we're interacting with other people, we are all on a different mile marker on the freeway of life here. So we need to keep that perspective. Just because you know something doesn't mean somebody should know it. Maybe they will know it. You could be the person that teaches them that instead of, bashing them for not just somehow magically knowing it so there's your weekend recap and rant thanks everybody for uh, following along and subscribing go subscribe to crafty chronicle chronicles on um, youtube you can follow him on social medias i'm sure also don't forget follow smackdown outdoors podcast page Lone Angler podcast page, Full Scale Outdoors podcast page, and join us this weekend for the first ever virtual ice fishing show brought to you by Clam, Thorn Brothers, and Glacier. All right, guys, whatever your passion, pursue it full scale.